0: Welcome everyone to an amazing episode with a mentor of mine, Marla Mattinson, with the Ethical Sales Institute. Uh, Over a year ago, I entered Marla's world and took her course through the Ethical Sales Institute, and it was such a lovely experience um, to really embrace sales in a new way. I have been taught many different methods on sales, but her method was the one that felt most like home, the most of honoring the person in front of you and the relationship in front of you. So I brought Marla on this show to talk about her journey in the Ethical Sales Institute, including creating it, what they've got cooking up and what you can benefit from if you were to join the Ethical Sales Institute, as well as some of the behind the scenes on her own growth journey that I've witnessed her going through over the last year plus, year and a half or so. It's been a phenomenal growth trajectory watching Marla um, grow this institute and make it something so incredibly unique and quite a movement. So I hope you all enjoy my conversation with the ever so playful Marla Mattinson, welcome, Marla. Well, Marla Mattinson, I am so happy you are here today, and I've been looking forward to this interview with you. You have been a mentor for me, and I'm just excited to see where we take this conversation. So, welcome to the show, Marla.
1: Thank you so much. I'm really excited for this
0: conversation. Mm, So good, and I want to start with saying, how do you introduce yourself these days with what you're up to? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I guess I, I say
1: I'm Marla Mattinson. I'm the founder of the Ethical Sales Institute, where we take a relational approach to business and sales. It's
0: beautiful. Beautiful. So can you tell me, and the reason I asked this is when I first knew you and I knew you years before I actually worked with you and you were one of my mentors, you were in a different space or you introduced yourself in a different way compared to where you are now. So I'd love if we could go there and tell a little of your backstory of how this fascinating journey unfolded and landed you in this ethical sales process in the Ethical Sales Institute.
1: Sure. Do you want me to introduce myself as that
0: Marla back then? <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Actually, <laughs> Q, be Marla, 2000. And, let's do ten, 2015, somewhere in there. Oh well, if we did 2010, then I would be a high school math
1: teacher in Los Angeles, working with inner city kids, and I will I would have just have finished my master's degree in mathematics from Claremont Graduate University. So that's the Marla of 2010. If you want the Marla of 2016, that's that's the Marla. There's a lot of Marlas around.
0: (laughs) The Marla of 2016. That was the cutest
1: look I just saw on you. Okay, so.
0: (laughs) I was looking around for Marlas if anyone wants to, is just listening. (laughs) So many Marlas. Inviting all the Marlas in. All the Marlas are welcome. Um,
1: Yes, I have a practice around that too. We can talk about it if you want. Um, The Marla from 2016. Uh, would be introduced as one of the intimacy experts and working with my love life and business partner, Julian Kolker. And we created the brand, The Intimacy Experts, Perpetual Beginners. So don't let the experts fool you. Everyone is a beginner, even the experts. And we worked with primarily uh, visionaries and their love or business partners, and sometimes their love partner is their business partner. So we really specialized in complexity and complexity of relationship, complexity in business, and helping to smooth out the communication, the intimacy, and the flow with you know, how do you run all of that at the same time? So the Intimacy Experts brand, we still have that brand and we work privately behind the scenes still uh, with private work for, with clients. But the front of the scenes brand has all of that intimacy work woven into it. And so ethical sales is really all about how do you bring a sense of connection, safety and trust and respect into every sales conversation so that you're putting the human relationship first and primary over any transaction. Mm In
0: something that I know about you and how I've experienced you, Marla, is you hold a very loving space and you can be direct. You can do both. So intimacy experts just really felt like you when I first met you. And ethical sales process also feels like you too. It's almost like a little bit more of a logical world experience that you get of Marla and not. (laughs) It's like both. But a question I have for you is why why did you evolve into the ethical sales process like what does this feel like in you where you're going and like why does it matter so much to you
1: Oh great question so <clears throat> I mean the the core why is that's why I'm here I'm here to evolve as a human and I'm here to serve and I'm here to serve in love And so I listen. I I deeply, deeply, deeply listen beyond my 3D world earrings, hearing with my ears. I listen with a a full body experience. And so I'm listening for, you know, is what I'm doing right now exactly the spot? uh, And how is it evolving? And so the ethical sales process that we created um, and the ethical sales institute was just a natural evolution from working with couples and so i mean the brief background on that is we were doing group couples programs for a while called the legendary love experience as you know and um one of the things that we did was we wanted to help most of the people that we work with our business owners and entrepreneurs. And so we wanted to teach them how to sell their work in the world while also learning how to sell for us. So I started by creating a small sales training, small group training uh, for people to learn how to sell their work and our work at the same time with our principles of intimacy. And then that evolved into just a straight sales uh, training because I used to only teach private clients how to sell and how to sell in high integrity and how to sell in the way that, that I've been selling for years. And so it it really evolved very, very naturally. And the, the main connection point with the people who really learn great from me and from this process are people who care deeply about their clients. They tend to work with very sensitive, confidential, or intimate material So we work with lawyers because that's confidential. We work with financial and wealth advisors. That's confidential and sensitive. We work with health and wellness practitioners because they're working with the physical body and that's sensitive. We work with writers. We work with coaches, guides, consultants. So anybody who's working with very sensitive and personal material behind the scenes and don't really even want to sell, that's who we work with. They're like, I just want to work. I just want to serve. I just want to help my people. I just want to help the people in the ways that I can. And yes, I know I need to sell. So, you know, I teach them how to love the sales conversation because it's the, I call the amuse bouche, it's the the little taster uh, before they actually get to work with you and experience the fullness of what you can offer. So human design readings, obviously, you know, anything that's deeply spiritual or deeply confidential is what we love working with. So I hope that helps for the evolution.
0: Yeah. And I actually, this is a great lead-in to something because I've taken your ethical sales process and your legendary love process. I went through both. And for I'm going to include you in the group that you just described. I'm going to include me. I think I said you, but I'm going to include me in there. That's <laughs> <You fucking laughs> what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> um And so I love holding those containers. And there was a period of time where sales felt like an icky word to me. And one of the reasons is the way, especially in the legal industry and the industries I was in, how it was taught, it felt icky to me. It was like, here I was serving in one way, but how I was presenting myself in sales was this very robotic way that I thought I should do it. And one of the beauties is, and you alluded to this in the opening, is you actually free people to be able to do sales like they serve. Could you talk about that in your aspect and your approach to that? Because it's such a grace and ease-filled way to live life Mm -hmm. as a service provider. (laughs) Or like, I don't even use the word sales. I call it an exploration now because that's fully me. And yeah, I want to ask you, can you go into that a little bit deeper for everyone?
1: Absolutely. So you're pointing to one of our main pillars of our philosophy at the Ethical Sales Institute. So one of them is humans over transactions. And I mentioned that in the beginning. The second one is what you're mentioning now, which is sell the way you serve. And what that means is how will you serve if you're very bold in how you serve, but in the sales conversation, you're very buttoned up and you're trying to do it right. And you're trying not to upset anybody and you just want to be the leader in the call and you know um, you never give them a taste of what it's like to actually work with you, then you're not selling the way you serve, which feels out of integrity. It feels like I'm not being myself. I'm being some other version of me that's not actually what they're going to get in the service. And so, what I teach people is how to be themselves, and we do that from a, uh, from the science of safety. So, the the and the the word is the polyvagal theory. Not the polyvagal theory, but the polyvagal theory. Okay, about the vagus nerve, because um, the science of safety, which we are completely aligned with, how do you create safety and cue safety in the sales conversation? It's really by being yourself. It's not by pretending to be some perfect version of you and the other person needs to completely reveal so you can see if you can help them. No, it's actually a vulnerable experience for both parties. If you want your potential client to reveal their real needs and their real challenges, you wanna be the open space to be able to have them model, feel the modeling of that in you. And so um, it's really a training of awareness, it's a training, you know our trainings are the salesperson, the business owner, the one who's the service provider, we are revealing also for ourselves. and if you've ever felt robotic in a sales conversation or if you've ever felt like you know you don't know what to say, then our sales training is it, it will just like open your heart in a way that you didn't even know you could sell and love sales. And so I guess I have a question for you too do you love sales now?
0: I guess it doesn't feel like sales anymore to me. That's what I'll say is like, I've just re-scripted everything around sales to be something that I love doing. I love exploring. I love having a conversation with people. Mm -hmm. I'm going to receive that as a yes. Oh, yes,
1: yes. (laughs) Because what you did (laughs) was you made it your own. And that's what we teach. We don't teach you have to do this sales process. There's no script, there's just a process that you get to make your own and you get to refine over time. So, yeah, it's like it doesn't feel like quote sales anymore because it's just an exploration of I want to know if I can actually serve this person or not. And if I can't, I don't need to get, you know, wild about it. I'm just going to make a recommendation for something else if I know I can't help them, or I give them some education to see, ooh, maybe they can be an ideal client in 6 months and I can check in. But you can build a relationship with somebody and that's the point of what we do. So sell the way you serve is an opportunity for people to connect with you at the level of how you serve. And so we do that with consent. And that's one of the big game changers of our process that is significantly different than anybody else's.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree with you. Hold on a second, Marla. My brain's telling me, give me a second. Um, before I get consent, may I also say something that I feel what you're alluding to, I'm going to put it in different words, is it feels really hard when you are trying to rely on a script or you see what somebody else does and you're like, that's brilliant. I am now going to do that that way. And it'll start to feel really hard throughout your whole business and the switch is realizing that when that comes through, you're trying to hold on to somebody else's material. And that's what actually makes it so hard. It's like kind of how I look at it. And when you can let go of it, that's where it feels a lot easier. But trying to, if I tried to do sales like you, Marla, I would be exhausted all the time, but I can use your techniques to do it my way. And that's what you're really great at teaching is like how to get into my energy or the person you're teaching's energy And one of the things you do, and I'd love to talk about this, is role model. You like Uh step into the body of the person in front of you and you role model for them. Would you give me an example? I don't know if it's an example or talk about this role modeling and why it's so important, especially for coaches, consultants, people that work with others. Role modeling is very important on how we teach people.
1: Yes. I love this that we could, we can have a slumber party on this. There's so much <laughs> that we can talk about. Um, so in our language, we call it role play emphasis on the word play. Okay. And so, you know, everybody knows what role play is, you know, you're, you're playing different characters. So role play in our world is um, somebody, and this is what I do in our trainings. This is what I do in our alumni group. This is what I do when I offer a free training um is somebody shares with me the challenge that they're experiencing it's usually a challenging conversation they're avoiding or a challenging conversation from a sales conversation or some other conversation they've had that did not go well and they'd like to redo it or take a different approach next time so they share what happened they give me all the details and then i when i feel like I've got it, which sometimes takes 10 seconds and other times three minutes. It's very short. They just give me a little flavor of what happened, what's the scenario, who am I speaking with? And then I become them and they become their most challenging person and we role play. And so they get to be as challenging or even more challenging than the other person was. And and they get to witness how I respond as them. And this is one of my zones of joy and genius is I have this ability to entrain into someone else's field. And I learned that when I was a body worker in my early twenties, when we did entrainment, where we did walking behind other people in a circle and you would entrain into how that person was moving. So if they swung their left arm, but their right arm stayed To their side while they were walking. We'd literally walk around in a circle and people will be on the outside of the circle and you can feel what's happening inside of somebody's body by walking the way they walk. And so that was part of my training of how to feel into somebody else's experience of life. And I would be like, oh, my right hip feels tight. Oh my, and I make it about me. Oh, my stomach feels kind of tight. And I'm noticing that my heart feels a little closed down. And then the other person, you know, we would debrief and they realized that's exactly what they were feeling. So that was the beginning of how I learned how to train into somebody. So as a body worker, um, most people that go through body work training have some kind of an experience like that if they go through advanced trainings. And so I bring that into the role play where I become you and you get to be your challenging person. And I I become you in a way that is just a little beyond what you normally would do or say. So I stretch it to have you have access to words you might not use, to a a tone that feels just a little more bold or a little more soft or a little more uh, compassionate um, or a little bit more probing, whatever the stretch is. And sometimes we do multiple and I'll say, okay, Let's shake that off. Let's do another one. Come at me with something else. And so how I respond is very much like Tai Chi. I receive the energy and intention and I respond with a loving expression that helps the other person's heart open more, not close down more. And that is a way that I get to um, serve and the other person gets to experience, oh, I never even thought to respond that way. It never occurred to me that I could say something like that. And then when they try it, and this happens over and over in our alumni group, people try it, they try it on and it works. And it's shocking to them how simple it is when you just have one little tiny shift to the left and then boom, it opens up all these doors for intimate, real intimacy to happen, which is just that both parties get to feel unguarded and, and lowering their defenses. So Mm. thank you for asking about role play. It's one of my absolute (laughs) favorite things.
0: I love it. Yeah. And I actually, uh, may I go in this a little bit further with you and dissect and Uh talk about this, Uh maybe a little from a woo perspective. I feel when I role play with others or I give them language or I let them feel into a new way, It's not necessarily that I'm dropping in the words for them to say, although that could be it. It's more that I'm giving them a higher vibrational experience or a higher evolved sense of being that they feel in the role play that creates this. And there's words, yes, but there's something else going on. Do you agree with me? Yeah, you're smiling. She's giving me a huge smile, everyone, which I always love <laughs> seeing from Marla. But there's something about that where I say, "Don't." Yeah. Now she's got her play stick. I can't remember what those are called, but I love them so much. Ben fell in love with those too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my it's, rainbow
0: celebration yeah. stick. <laughs> celebration stick. Yes. But there's, and I always say this to whoever I'm working with: is don't grasp the words grasp what happens to you when you're receiving the words through me or the feeling of the words because I feel it's just this feeling that you are putting them into where it can reconfigure them. Yes. What's your well, take on that? Yeah.
1: Yes. In so in in we'll do woo language and we'll do regular language. So in regular language what you're speaking to is I'm responding to the challenge, free from judgment, free from wrong making, free from retaliation energy, free from any form of conflict, and I'm responding. And now, if we go into the woo category, I'm responding with the vibration and tone and word choices that are loving that are honest, that are transparent, that are kind, and that are probing, that that really are, it's the vibration of love is really what it is. It's like, look, even in this moment of challenge, when you're coming at me with negativity, even if you're blaming me for something, even if you feel justified and angry and resentful, whatever those words are that I'm receiving as we're as we're doing the role play. The role play. <laughs> Whatever I receive, I have trained myself to respond with love and honesty. So there have been times in role play that I have said something like, wow, that's not easy to hear. Thank you for saying what you're saying. Just give me a moment and let me let it settle for a second. It's actually painful to receive that that's me in a role play. Okay. Because I'm letting them know that the words they're saying are hurting. They hurt me because, and I'm, I'm me like the scenario. I'm not in that scenario, Marla, but in the role play, I am fully receiving the attack that is coming. And, and if I don't have a natural response of love, it's because I feel guarded or like, ooh, shoot, that was really intense. I need to just pause on that for a moment. I don't have some fast reply. In fact, it's it's more potent for me to just fully receive all of that, let it in and let it soften me and respond with, that's not easy to hear. That That must have been really painful for you if you're sharing that with me in this way actually, I'd love to hear more. Would you share more about what happened from your perspective? And then they open up and that's how they open. They don't open because I have some awesome quip as a reply. They open because I receive all of what they're sharing and I'm not judging it or making it wrong. So does that answer your question?
0: Yes, it's a great example, actually, where you flip the script instead of saying the words are going to elevate, the words actually met the moment in how they were feeling and allowed that to be fully received of like, wow, I bet that's right. really and then- hard and painful, which also opens people.
1: Exactly, exactly, yeah. to fully really receive it. And so I would say that in the woo language, because obviously we part of the woo crew, <laughs> the Wu crew uh, understands that everything is in vibration and everything is in tone. And so, and this is something I've been working very deeply on in my own personal life is tone. And so then if we go back to the vagus nerve and the science and the neuroscience behind what we do and what I teach and my, you know, I have three degrees in math and one in neuroscience, the vagus nerve innervates our vocal cords, our facial expressions, our heart and lungs, our inner organs, and a lot more. And, and, and what happens with our tone of voice is when we're in a mobilized fear state of fight or flight, what happens is our tone of voice changes. It changes. I literally hear my mom's tone of voice coming through me. That's usually my go-to and it's not pleasant. It's the unpleasant aspects of my mom. My mom also has really awesome aspects of her tone, but the unpleasant kind I inherited And so when I speak from that location, it's really hard to hear. And so part of the training is recognizing how you're speaking and and listening to your own voice and tone of voice while you're in an activated state. And so one way to practice that is the next time you get angry, upset, resentful, hurt, frustrated, speak into a voice note recorder, all the ugliness take a break, and then go for a walk and listen to your own tone of voice. You'll be shocked at how unpleasant your own tone of voice is. It'll be hard to listen to. Uh, And that's the first practice is have compassion for your own tone of voice when you're activated. And that's what brings us closer to be able to have a loving tone of voice uh, in those moments. And even if you can't, I'll just say one last thing about this. Sometimes, like with Julian, my partner, I cannot change my tone of voice in the moment. So I'll say to him, if you can ignore my tone of voice and just listen to the words, which is really challenging, none of the words are attacking. It's just the tone. So if you can mute the tone and listen to the words, then we can um, move through this right? Because I, I don't have the ability right now to change my tone of voice. So we work with this in lots of different playful ways behind the scenes, but it's really a very beautiful and deep practice. Uh, when you Once you really understand that vocal tone is something that you can work with and you can change even in those activated states.
0: Yes, and it's a huge indicator on others too. I just did this last night with Ben Marla too because I was <laughs> saying something and I, I can't remember what he was doing. And I was like, well, I know that's what you want to do. And I was like, and will you please ignore, I have a sensation of doubt coming up. <laughs> but it was like, uh, ignore what I'm saying now. This is all for me and not for you. And it was really interesting to do that. And I'm going to shift a little bit here with tone of voice Because tone of voice also communicates to the people in front of us where we are at. And one of the things that I've watched you evolve through is speaking a lot more, allowing yourself to be seen in a much grander and bigger way. And the reason this little bridge I'm creating comes up is I have talked to somebody and I remember having a human design and they said that people resonate. You communicate through the tone of your voice more than the words you say. And he's like, when you speak from your chest, people are with you and they're resonating with you. When you speak from your throat, you make a point and you go up to your throat. And if you get up in the nasal and uh, they're like, no one's listening to you. So it's something I play with on stage where I go through tone a lot to get my points across, to connect deeply with people to do it. What is this journey? All of that is to say, I would love to ask you about your journey on your expression. And when. Mm. It felt like to me, but I'd be interested to hear from you, when you started the ethical sales process, something lit like a fire under you and you just started talking and sharing and being more out there than I've ever seen you before. And it has been delightful. What has it been like for you?
1: Thank you. Well, it has been quite a journey, I'll tell you. And I'm still on it. I am still evolving, of course, you know, always arriving, never arrived. (laughs) is one of our sayings. Um, so I, I would say that I used to be terrified of being seen and being witnessed. I am, uh, and in the past, I've been much more comfortable behind the scenes. I made an entire career about being behind the scenes, uh, known for helping very powerful thought leaders, celebrities, um, and and powerful human with their intimate material behind the scenes. I was literally a doula helping women through labor and delivery and postpartum in my early 20s and into my 30s. And I worked primarily with thought leaders and celebrities because I I can connect with anybody and not put anybody on a pedestal. And yet I didn't want to be the visible one in the front. Mm-hmm. And the terror that I would feel from being celebrated or Recognized was crippling. And most people don't know that about me because I don't present that way. I present very competent, very confident, very open. And I am all that's true. And the shadow side of that uh, was very much um, fear of being punished, fear of being uh, made wrong or discredited in some way. And through my own personal growth and evolution journey of, you know, I've been sitting vipassana meditation for 20 years. My this is actually my 20th year. I started in 2003, and I'm going for my 21st sit in um, November this year.
0: Hmm.
1: And uh, and that technique taught me how to be present with what is without needing to change it, and then learning how to serve and really put the focus on client results, really putting all I talk about the flashlight and how the flashlight shines in one direction. And when you're a coach, a guide, uh, a lawyer, when you you are a service provider, the, the flashlight shines in one direction on the client. And even when you're expressing it's in service of the client, and so you being your best self is in service of the client. And so I learned how to put the flashlight really on client results and student and participant results and put leaning all in there. And when I did that, a number of things happened. Number one, I started doing reflections with former clients about what's the one grain of sand or a whole beach full of negativity that you still hold in your heart in any way or your mind towards me or our work together. So I had very deep reflective conversations with past clients, uh, to receive not the positive things, only the negative. And I, and then I watched all those recordings and I looked for the through lines of what's common between all of these and I allowed that to soften me and help me make changes and help me make shifts. And so when I did that, combined with my spiritual growth and evolution work, which is primarily um, Vipassana meditation and Paul Selig, S-E-L-I-G, Paul Selig. And he he's a conscious channel who's channeled 12 books word for word with no edits. Um, the, the channels that come through him from the guides have been guiding me in my life in that tone, in that vibration of um, we are all in this together, essentially. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so all of that to say that I don't have the fear of being seen anymore, I, that that has vanished, which doesn't mean I don't have fear arise or contraction arise or tension arise. It means that I, in general, feel very loved and supported and guided I don't feel the need to push or pressure or persuade anyone for any reason. I really am living in trust and I know that I am a good steward of the vision that's flowing through me and I'm doing it in service of all, including me. And so it's evolving in a really beautiful way and it's uplifting and uplifting others along the way. And it's I'm like living my life in awe and it is a strange, wonderful experience that I'm like, what's happening today, what's on the docket today, you know, and, um, you know, just last night I was speaking with a, a friend of mine that I met through a coaching program I'm in. Um, cause I always have multiple coaches and guides and he genuinely said to me, I just want you to know I'm, I'm here for you. If you have any questions, like, don't wait, just reach out. I want to help you with what you're doing. And he is an amazing entrepreneur with incredibly successful businesses and service in multiple countries. And I cried because to receive guidance that I'm not paying for, you know, like how can we just help each other as humans to just uplift in that moment, you know, and, and when you really meet another person that you want to genuinely support, do you do it? Or do you make them get into a contract with you? And so I have been shifting and growing and evolving in so many different ways that I f- I feel confident in, in the service that I'm providing. So the fears have really dissolved in terms of being visible. That mm-hmm. was a long answer to your beautiful question about expression.
0: Mm-hmm. I really loved all pieces of it too. I enjoy hearing that. And now I'm curious if you'd be willing to talk about this dynamic of meeting people, whether they're in a contract with you or not, and realizing that we're helping people. And one of the things I've felt this firmly and then trying to figure it out for myself is also another, like I felt it firmly and knowing these lines has been interesting. And I went to an outdoor uh, conference the other week. And they live and breathe it very deeply where they work with each other. And a lot of times there's no paid agreements, but they're very deep into advocacy and trying to get everyone to have a voice and moving things forward. And it was just really fascinating to see where in the business world I came from, it's all basically, I'll give you once there's an agreement in the big scope of things. And I think there's space to also give without a contract. What is your viewpoint on that? And how is that evolving for you, Marla? Because it's a fascinating dynamic that I'm always checking, wondering about, curious about, to be honest.
1: Well, thank you. I've had many experiences in my life, throughout my life, where I've been an apprentice for others, for no pay, and just to learn, just to learn from them and through them. and, And that's been one way that I personally have grown and evolved over the decades. And having a contract in place is a pathway to allow a certain level of depth of experience and a certain level of consent to go to places that casual conversations won't go. And also to be able, like uh, having a contract allows you to have what we call a container so that the person receiving the guidance or the input can actually fully receive it as much as they can, and then have time and support to integrate it after they receive the guidance. So instead of just one little taste and then maybe I'll implement, maybe I won't, and maybe you follow up, maybe you don't. um, There's benefit to that. Of course, you know, every interaction we have has that experience. And if you really have a practice where you help people go to a depth where they really are transforming, it's not just information, it's transformational. Then to me, it's it's in high integrity to actually have a contract. Now, a contract does not have to be a financial exchange. A contract can be a contract that is um a barter exchange, you know, here in, and it's a contract that has. I'm going to provide this for you. You're going to provide that for me. And that's the contract, or it can be a financial exchange. It can be whatever it is that you want it to be, as long as it's agreed upon by two consenting adults. And so that brings me to the next part, which is consent. And so one of the things that I teach is consent, initial consent and ongoing consent and ongoing consent looks like, um, Let's say, for example, you're in a discovery call or an exploratory call or a sales call, whatever you want to call the call. You're <laughs> talking to somebody who's interested or considering working with you. So at the beginning of the conversation, clearly, if they've filled out a questionnaire, that is initial consent. If they showed up on the call, that is initial consent. They've given consent because they're there. On ongoing consent, is I'm going to ask a question directly and I, and I want to have the openness to be able to ask a deep and meaningful question and have a deep and meaningful conversation. So the consent is, are you available for a deep, meaningful conversation right now? To go to the depth of whatever it is that your challenges are. That's consent. That's ongoing consent. And then receiving the truth. And so even in a sales conversation, you can provide a lot of value back and forth with consent is is the main is the main point here. And so to go back to the original question is how do you navigate free advice or free guidance or non-financial exchange advice versus financial exchange what we've done is we've redefined what is a sale. A sale is not just an exchange of the value of money. In fact, a sale is a team effort. T E A M it's a team effort. It is an exchange first of time, T. It's an exchange of E, energy and expertise. And it's an exchange of A, attention. And then sometimes it's an exchange of M, money, team, time, energy, attention, and money. And so if you view sales in that way, you notice everything is a sale that has any kind of an exchange of value of time. That's what all of social media is That's what this podcast is. Are we making the sale? Are you still listening? Right? If you're a listener of this, we are making the sale for your time, energy, and attention. We're not asking for a financial exchange. That's not what's on the table here. And so, how do we do this in a high integrity, ethical way? We do it with consent. And that's how, you know, if you want to learn from someone, if you personally don't have the time capacity to dedicate to free, guidance because you need to earn in your business, then you want to choose how much time and effort you're putting towards free guidance. Like for me, I've been on a board of directors the last seven years. And that is, they're not paying me to be on that board. That's volunteer. So that's one of the ways that I offer free guidance in a very contained way, in a specific way for charter schools in Los Angeles. And I consult for them on sex ed and communication and intimacy and integrity and lots of other things. And so that's one of the ways that I provide service in the world. And then every, and one of my processes is every human I interact with, can they leave our connection feeling a little bit more uplifted?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's, that's in every moment, every person I interact with, can they feel a little bit more uplifted or even a lot, but at least a little after our interaction. And and that is that is my personal mission in the world. And I've had that since I was a waitress working, you know, uh at restaurants like you come into
0: my station,
1: you leave feeling a little more uplifted. That was always my mission at work. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that's beautiful because people will uh, comment on the fact that when I see people with great earrings or I give compliments out to waitresses or waiters and just very random people, I'm doing the same thing that you're talking about that is sales, just with interacting when I'm doing checkout, right? It's just a philosophy to live by is what I feel for myself as well. Consent, we naturally got to, and I'm so appreciative because that was where I was going to go next. The other second piece that you have mentioned that I'd love for you to talk about, because I feel your philosophy on this is also different, is containers
1: Mm. and the ethical
0: sales process. I feel that you're setting up the container where you're focusing on the outcomes for people in a unique and different way from what I see most of the world, and it backs up your larger philosophy in life. Would you please talk and allude on what you feel the containers and what you're doing different is, Marla? That's so interesting. I want to ask you what you've noticed first. (laughs) Oh yeah. <laughs> like,
1: if you're open to it, yeah. Yeah, I would. I actually I'd love to know what what do you notice about how I hold containers? And then I'm happy to respond and comment.
0: Okay. So I'm going to say one, because I could probably do this in many different ways. Um when you opened it back up, my brain is just like wanting to download all the things. So I'm going to stop that. The <laughs> thing that I found found was interesting. <laughs> I have to be very clear. It's like, oh, here's five things now. One of them is you're like, come through the ethical sales process. You may not have the financial results by the end of the, I want to say it's an eight-week process. Do I have that right, Marla? Eight weeks. You may not have that. If so, you will continue in this other container that I have until it starts to come through for you. And the way I take that is that's one way to create a container honoring the fact that humans digest information at different levels. They are able to integrate at different times. Sometimes it takes people longer, shorter, and you are setting up containers to hold a more open space for a lot more humans, a lot more people. So that's one example where I was like, thank you for redefining what it may look like for people to have a container opened for them.
1: Okay. I love that. So you're, you're speaking to my desire for having safe containers and safe containers means, and I am fiercely protective of my containers. And I hope you can hear that in my tone of voice. (laughs) Mama bear coming out. (laughs) Mama bear is here. Yes. And I'll show you mama bear is here. (laughs) That's the other other side of this guy.
0: It's hilarious. No, <laughs> She's showing no, me no. a bear that somehow transforms in and out and it's got an angry face and then a smiling face on the other. At first I thought you were just showing me its rear end when you flipped it over. I was like, yes, being an ass is the other side of a mama bear, too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So um creating
1: environments where people feel relaxed enough to share the truth of their challenges. Because Behind the scenes with me one-on-one, everyone shares their personal challenges with me. And, And the idea that I've been implementing is how do we move those private conversations into a group situation where everyone takes personal responsibility for themselves Uh, nobody is actively judging anybody else. If they are judging, I teach everybody how to go back inside and look at how that's your material. Because if you're judging, it's your judgment, literally. Uh, And so we don't do, there's no wrong making. Everything, whatever gets expressed, I'm going to help navigate and help that person understand how that's happening for them. And so creating that safe environment where people feel really genuinely like they want to share the real truth of their challenges and ask for guidance and support and receive it. And then to go and implement it and come back with the results of what they implemented, whether it turned into a shit show or whether, you know, it exploded in their face or whether it was like, wow, that really worked. Mind blown. Whatever the results are, they bring that back into the group and then we refine it and so it gains it has people gain confidence and competency in their own personal experience of business and life and the other thing is we don't separate business and and personal we have a philosophy in our in our world that professional development is personal development there is no distinguishing factors between the two because if you only go for per, uh, professional development where is your person? Where's your personal? It's in there. It's just being shoved off to the side, and you're only receiving logical information. When you bring your personal into the professional, which is very taboo in so many businesses and companies, right? No, keep your personal out. No, we say bring your personal in because your personal is the one that brings the heart. Mm-hmm. Your personal is the one that brings the compassion, the empathy be, oh, I see you in me. I'm not going to judge that or think I'm better than you. I'm not going to bring hierarchy into this. We have people in our containers who are earning millions of dollars a year in their business and people who are just starting. We have people who are investing and looking for investors. We have people who are um, working with nonprofits and looking for investors. We have all different types of people Uh, We have very spiritual people on the super woo path. And then we have very logical people, lawyers and financial advisors. And all of them are in there together, learning from each other, growing together because there's some fundamental commonalities of containers where if you're safe, if you really genuinely feel safe to express and you do it by witnessing other people feeling safe to express and how they do it, Then what happens is you get the courage to actually ask those hard questions, ask for the spotlight to be on you, and you get to receive. And when that happens, it's just phenomenal. And so in the containers, one of the things that I do is I help people get results and stay until they get results. They're going to stay in our container until they get results. I'm dedicated to helping everybody get results and come back over and over until you get results. And, um, and so what that does is we have every container we start, there's already past participants who've been through the program one, two, or three times. And next time it'll be people who've been in there one, two, three, or four times. And so the container is already set of safety and how we run things is already set. So there's already a vibe of love, compassion, non-judgment, openness. We're here to help each other. No judgment, all of that and so new people come in and they go oh and they automatically acclimate to the vibration of i'm safe here. So even if I don't fully feel safe yet to express, I'm going to be here until I do. And then in office hours or in the sessions, they're going to eventually share. And then we you know, I have an incredible team that supports everybody and connects with them behind the scenes to just make sure nobody feels left behind.
0: Hmm. It's really beautiful, Marla. You've mentioned results several times. Would you be open to sharing some little like case studies or results that you've seen that's maybe even surprised you for people going through the ethical sales process?
1: Oh my gosh, there's so many results that are shocking. It's um, I'll, I'll tell you. Well, financial results uh, happen eventually, and for some people. People who've already done a lot of work on themselves and they're they already have a business that has a vehicle for earning. Those people that I I help, you know, one person I helped him have a five hundred thousand dollar launch in three days. So he had a, a three day masterclass series and he earned five hundred thousand dollars from that experience. Other people go from zero to ten thousand dollars of earnings. So earnings are always you know one of the aspects of the ethical sales process. And some of the more shocking in my my world, the shocking results are relationships with children change. Mm -hmm. How people relate with their children and their partners and their animals, their furry friends, all of those things start changing. They start putting the person above the transaction so every day in our lives like if you want to make tea in the morning or coffee that's a transaction you're making tea okay how you make the tea is putting the relationship primary how you make the tea how much awareness you have how kind you are you know uh what you do with the mug how do you drink your first sip how are you being relational with yourself and when When you put the relationship as primary in every aspect of your life and you care more about the relationship than your partner taking out the trash, okay? Mm -hmm. When you care more about the relationship than having the kids go to bed exactly on time, right? When you care more about the relationship than anything else, everything else starts falling into place. And so um, another fascinating result was from a lawyer that is in our program. And, um, she, this was literally yesterday this happened. So she shared openly in our, in our, um, Facebook group that, uh, she had a challenging conversation with a potential client and just to keep it all anonymous and everything, that potential client had a lot of control issues and wanted to control the legal process. And Mm -hmm. it was really upsetting. And so she came into the office hours and shared the the issue in a situation. We did a role play, and I shared with her some ways that um, she could respond to this person. And basically the idea was, will you trust, are you willing to trust my company, my firm, and my people enough to allow us to do the process for you without grabbing it and taking it yourself? Are you willing to be in that level of surrender here? And so she had that conversation with him. So I said, I recommend that you have ask for a second conversation, do it in some way like this, make it your own, and then let us know what happens. And she basically shared with us that he ended up sharing really openly a lot of the details of why he has that control issue, what's really going on behind the scenes, She got to educate him a little bit about our concept of holding dualities, two things at the same time, trusting and wanting to control at the same time. And so, you know, cliffhanger, they're going to talk on Monday to find out, you know, whether or not he wants to say yes or no to signing on. And the third aspect of our philosophy is celebrate choice. So we have humans over transactions, sell the way you serve. And celebrate choice and celebrate choice is what she's practicing, which is I, she said, I genuinely feel released and relaxed around whether or not he says yes or no. If he says yes, I know now because of the sales conversation, he will follow through because I will remind him of the sales conversation that he agreed to this. And if he says no, I'm going to be so grateful because that means he won't be able to do that. So he needs to find somebody else. So, it's a win win scenario in in, in any case. And that's what we teach a win 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 scenario win for the client, win for the salesperson or the business owner, and win for the company, right? Because if you allow somebody into your company who is going to take the reins and try to control, then it's going to be a nightmare in the fulfillment. And so she knows that. And she now knows how to set a boundary of love with compassion, kindness, and structure to say there's criteria. For you to sit, for you to be able to be a client for us. And here's the criteria you need to be able to surrender into our process. And if you can't, then we're not a good match. And if you can, I would love to serve you. So, those are some of the really surprising and beautiful results that just remind me of why I do this work in the world. And the financial results, in my opinion, are secondary, they always come. It's just a matter of, How long that's going to take for people to really fully be in their zone of joy and genius and allow their real self to come into the sales conversation and not some masked version of who they are, Mm -hmm. their real self. And that's what I teach you how to bring your real self into the sales conversation.
0: Mm, you do it really, really well. And I will say from my experience, one of the most grateful things that I was getting very close to before working with you is the celebration of the yes or the no, and just being at peace with both, like being at peace where it doesn't like, cause I remember sales when I got started, the yes would f- feel great. And then the no would feel, oh. And then it was once so you can become really clear on who you are, the yes and the no is a celebration. And sometimes it's little itty bitty celebrations that we have to make for somebody to grow into the bigger celebration. But yeah, celebrating the yes and no is love. Oh, d- yes, are you raising your hand? yes you I'm raising my hand. I'm, <laughs> yes, I'm like Marla, oh, let you speak. Marla Marla, do you have something to add to this conversation? I do. Oh my gosh, I have to say one thing about what,
1: <laughs> what you're saying. Because what you're speaking to is the huge difference between traditional sales and which are transactional and ethical sales in the way I teach and the way that you practice as well is traditional sales drives to a yes. So throughout the entire sales conversation, all you're doing is listening for how is this person even a little bit of a yes. And then I'm gonna pull on that string on that lever until we get to the yes. And it's all about driving to the yes. Ethical sales drives to clarity. We drive to clarity. So we're not listening for the yes. We're listening for the truth. We're listening for the true need of this person within the context of the totality of their life. And we have a system and a process on how to do that. And so, when you're listening for clarity, then everything else that's not clarity just becomes something to navigate so that you can help this person see and experience the clarity that's already there underneath all that other stuff. And so, the ethical sales process is driving to clarity. And when you do that, you can be present. Traditional sales driving to a yes calls you out of the present moment because you're only, you're actively only listening for the yes. And that's one of the reasons it feels so hard because the science of rejection tells us, right, whenever we experience rejection, it hurts. Rejection actually hurts, which is why we avoid it. It's the same pathway in the brain as physical pain. That's been proven since 2003. And so rejection as a no in traditional sales hurts, but in ethical sales, a no Hurts less and less and less until it actually doesn't hurt at all. And you actually can celebrate it because somebody's making a clear choice for themselves in the context of their own life. So thank you for calling on me.
0: <laughs> yeah. So let's take this whoop a little bit more so everyone really understands what Marla's talking about. You taught me through the ethical sales process how to actually purposefully look into the no explore the no for people. Yeah, she's snapping her fingers over here. But it's something that I do on every single sales call now is like I intentionally explore the no and it's led to a lot more aligned clients and me feeling really grateful because I wish people would have explored no's for me and other sales calls that I was in. And I just, I love it so much exploring a no. And i spoke in front of a group of entrepreneurs the other week and I was like, I explore the no. no," And everyone's like, hmm? (laughs) Like, why okay. would you do okay. that?
1: <laughs> right? Okay, right. Why would you do that? You're going to ruin the convert. You're going to ruin the sale. You're going to lose the sale. If you explore the no, that's the fear. And I'll tell you this, because you already know this. This is for everybody, including me. I always listen to my own guidance. <laughs> I would leave two ears open for whatever is coming out my mouth. Here's the thing. Inside every full yes are lingering doubts, worries, and no's. Always. Full yeses are never full yeses. There's always some lingering doubt, fear. Oh, I'm going to have to navigate this or I'm going to have to you know, carve out time for that. There's always little tiny hints of doubt. And if we refuse to look at them, address them, acknowledge them, go into them together with the potential client, They're not going to go there themselves. They're going to talk to other people about it, or they're going to maybe say yes, but in the fulfillment, you're going to experience all those doubts. So I say, let's explore that in the sales conversation, because that has people trust you more, that you're not just gunning for the yes. You really are driving to clarity and driving to clarity means a clear yes or a clear no. And a clear no still has some yes in it. (laughs) So no's have some yes and yeses have some no's. And so let's stop pretending the world is binary and let's get into the gray zone.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that. So Marla, I'm going to wrap this up with you. And this is one question that I'm just intrigued, curious and would love to hear from you. Where are you going with all of this? What is your yeah yeah? Where does this look like? What's your future look like?
1: That is a big question, and I highly suggest that people follow me on LinkedIn and Instagram uh, if you want to see where we're headed because that it is happening, and uh, by the end of 2024, it will be way more clear to the outside world what's happening. Um, but we're we are starting a movement. We're building. A movement of wildly successful entrepreneurs who serve their ideal clients through using the ethical sales process and loving their work in the world, falling in love with sales, building their business with ease and serving ideal clients. And so it is a worldwide movement. It is really time for sales and business to be run in the way that we actually care for one another we respect one another. We honor one another and each other's choices. And um, and so it's a very gentle process. It's a very gentle, powerful, potent movement. And it is gaining momentum. We are gaining um recognition. And um yeah, I'd say if this intrigues you even a little, send me a message, send me a private message, a DM, and and find out how you can get involved because there's there's quite a bit. We're, we're building a platform. There's, there's a lot of opportunity for business owners to contribute to this movement. We're creating the Ethical Sales Institute Professional Blog, where mm. we're going to be receiving professional papers and, um, and articles that are research-backed on ethical sales and ethical practices in business. Um, and how people are using humans over transactions in their daily life and in their businesses. So there's lots of room for uh, for everyone who's listening to contribute and to learn and grow together. So we're really building a worldwide movement that is really a culmination of my life's work and the life's work of my team. And so it's not just the Marla show. It really is about uh, how can we care for one another in business? And then that trickles out into the rest of our lives.
0: Mm -hmm. Which I believe this is before the show started. It's something I believe in so fully. And just seeing you and what you're doing has been so exciting. So I'm so happy that you came on Marla and joined the show to spread this movement even further. And I'm even jotting down notes for myself as you're sharing that because it gets me all excited and ideas come from me. So thank you for being and sharing more of you and what your team is producing and putting into the world because I think it's such a lovely platform and so dearly needed. Thanks for being here, Marla. Thank you, Jen. Mm -hmm.